This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hello everyone. It's the depths of winter, but we have the takes that will keep you warm at night. Indeed. It is uh, late on a Thursday night. We have just watched uh, the Dragons eat a delicious 50 burger. Uh, Their season has just sort of lurched from low point to low point. But Nick, this might be the lowest point so far against their arch rivals, primetime game and... It wasn't just that they lost and the scoreline. It was just the effort and everything about this, particularly in the second half, that would have just made me embarrassed to be a fan of the Dragons tonight. Yeah, what made tonight really tough, I thought, was they didn't actually start all that badly. No. You know, they, they score in the first minute through through Mika Ravalawa, and I felt like, well, the Sharks obviously have a lot more firepower than the Dragons. I thought the Dragons were hanging around in the contest until that period just before halftime. When I, the Sharks got, I believe it was forty-eight set restarts. Yep. In a in a in a ninety-second span, impressive, but um, yeah, and that that was just too much for them. That was too much pressure for them to sort of bear. Then the Sharks score, and then in the second half they really went on with it, and the Dragons really really fell apart. In um, even even though they are bad side this year, and even though they're at rock bottom and they're on a death march to the end of the season, and all those other things we've been saying about them. It was, it's still disappointing to see a team capitulate like that, especially since they had the, like they had a cut, they had a moment in the second half, like Tyrell Sloan going nine minutes to score, like really good try. So like, yeah, even though they're a bad side, they are a team that has that should have a little bit more about them than they do. So I don't know, maybe there's more low points to come. Who's to who's to say how far <laughs> we can this, always we can yeah, always go lower. Yeah, who's to say how far this because well, that yeah that know? try cut the lead to twenty four to sixteen, eight point game, half an hour to go. But then, yeah, some of the application towards the end, I thought Ben Hunt had some very, very poor efforts. And I think that he's completely sort of quit on that team. And then my, I think the worst of all was, but the effort first from Zach Lomax to get back into the line. And then secondly, from Tyrell Sloan to challenge for that kick on the Ronaldo Mulatalo try with the, when Talakai towed it through. I thought that that, from the start of that play till the try was just so low effort and so cowardly from them. And I feel, I truly do feel for anyone. We do have a lot of Dragons fans listening to the show. I do truly feel for anyone who's been supporting this team all year. And God, not let alone went to the game tonight, but even watched it. Like, oh mate, because... if you went to the game tonight, you deserve a a medal or a or a pat on the back or like a hug or something. Yeah, something tangible for your a jug of Steel City Ale, whatever it's called, the beer they sell at the Steelers. But um, yeah, dude, like. I just don't know what, uh, how you could feel any way, anything but just completely negative about this performance. Like as as bad as they've been for parts of the year, the efforts usually still been there. They've still tried hard. They've had they've had losses that you know where there were still positive signs and then things you could glean from. But there was nothing positive about this. And you're right because they did start well, and after 20 minutes, the game was in the balance. But I just don't know how a game can go from being an eight point margin with half an hour left and you ship 30 points or 28 points, whatever it was in those last 30 minutes, they, they conceded a point a minute basically in the last half hour of that game. Like it's just ridiculous. Oh, uh, it sounds reductive, but they're just, they're just a bad team, aren't they? <laughs> they're just a bad, they're just, that's why you listen to this show. folks. No, but like that, like this is just going to keep happening for them every single week. Yeah. You know? And like, 
But you would hope that by the end of the season, they managed to get their shit together on one or two occasions, get a couple of morale boosting wins. But when your season's over and this is pretty much, and it's pretty, it is over for them. And now it's just a long march to the end of the season. The, the most that they can hope for is moral victories. And the best that they can hope for is that they find something over the Shane Flanagan can find something over the off season. I, I do feel pretty sorry for Ryan Carr because mm. Uh, like it, it's always hard to tell when a rookie coach gets a roster like this, but I don't know. He, he's someone who just the way he speaks about the game has, has sort of impressed me uh, a little bit. And it's clear how passionate he is. And I know we, we, we say this jokingly sometimes, but he is very much a good rugby league man, like done his time in the lower mm. grades, you know, for quite a while since his own playing career finished and all of that. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I wanted some, I wanted a little bit more for him. Than, I have uh, what they dished up in this game. Tonight. I've actually found one positive for them. So this loss tonight takes them to zero and nine for the year away from home. But they are four and three at home, and because of the way the season is shaking out, with a lot of Sydney venues being unavailable in the next like six to eight weeks, their next four rounds are three games in Wollongong and a bye. So you know they've they've got a winning record in home games this year throughout all the all the bullshit and. Two of those games of the three are against the West Tigers and the Manly Seagulls. The other ones against the Raiders might be a little bit tougher, but still a, winnable. A decent winnable chunk of their of their season coming up in the next four weeks. And yeah, if they can if they can get that win over the Tigers, they'll probably at least almost be able to stop worrying about the wooden spoon. But yeah, yeah well, a tough well, season. There you go. Shout out to the Gong Crew. You know, yeah. I guess it's all on you. And if they get up, meet me at the captain's lounge and the uh, mm. and the steel ales would be on me. We'll go to well, Howl and Wolf after. Then we'll recover with a couple of Chico's burgers the next morning. Just the burgers, not mm. the chips. You don't need them. Well, you don't need them. The they Chico's are big burgers, burgers are big enough to stand alone. I would need the chips though. But um, the yeah, well, Raiders Dragons in Wollongong is is the is the 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 day Bungard and Campos Footy Adventures was founded on. Like the 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 great day. Mm-hmm. At the old bullpen with CNK and Jared Kroger. RIP the bullpen. RIP the bullpen. I wish we were there when they pulled all the stuff off the walls and sold it to people. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, Sharks, real quick. Again, we spoke earlier this week about what you could learn about the Sharks from this game, and we both kind of agreed that the answer was nothing. But still, great to see them just go on with the job. And in a game where we both said they should win this very, very comfortably, it took them a little while to warm up and get going, but they did win it very, very comfortably in the end. And through all their faults, they are great at beating the shit out of bad teams. And what do you know? They beat the shit out of a bad team. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I guess the best thing for them is just sort of rediscovering a bit of that attacking confidence that probably went away a little bit after that Melbourne loss a few weeks ago, particularly with Nico Hines. I thought Hines was was quite strong in this one in that he he just sort of played his role in the attack to to perfection. It didn't feel like he was chasing the game or going after it just really felt like he was back to back to his normal self, which was really good. All the usual suspects were strong. They moved the ball really well from edge to edge as they, as they invariably do. Thought Sif Talakai played well. Ronaldo Mulatalo had one of his good nights. Very much, very much a, a classic Sharks performance mm-hmm. over the last 18 months where they played a team that they should handle and they handled them. And they do have in the next five weeks, they've got two very straightforward games against the Tigers and Manly, but the other three, Away to the Warriors, Penrith in Penrith, Souths in Perth. So we're going to find out yeah, if they can finally all, knock off one of those big teams. We're all sitting. Um, we're all sitting around waiting for those. Waiting for those three. If if you were a Sharks fan and you are a Sharks fan, mm. I know it's still a fair way off. But looking at those three matches, Warriors away, 
Panthers away, Rabbitohs, it's away for you. It's away for both teams, so it's yeah. still away. What would you consider a pass mark in that three-match period? Uh, if they win those two easy games in between, honestly, one out of three and not getting smacked in the other two would be enough for me to at least glean a little bit of confidence. Two out of three would be phenomenal. I'd three be, out of I'd three be, themes. Three out of three seems a pipe dream. Well, so. three out of three is, is 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 a very high bar. I would want two out of three. Mm. I would want two out of three, and I would want, and I, I I think, yeah, I would want I would want two out of three, and I would want the win over the Warriors because I think that's the one that they'll look at as probably more likely than Souths or the Panthers. I would want the Warriors one to be, if not comprehensive then certainly impressive, you know, and you mm. can have an impressive close win, but I don't want, you know, just the Warriors sort of lose their shit and the Sharks kind of take advantage of it. I want them to be confronted with a challenge in all three matches and, and really, really be tested, you know, mm. and that that's kind of, that's going to be really make or break for them. That three week period. I think if for, the, for their own confidence, if nothing else, you know, so yeah. but until then we're just in a holding pattern, aren't we? Yep. The glass cannons keep firing. <laughs> try, try. This is a try. Brilliant, brilliant play. I think it's a try. Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try. Gee, what about this bloke? All right, for new listeners of the show, this is our old segment now called <laughs> What About This Bloke, where we talk about uh, a guy you might have forgotten about, probably from the late 90s, early 2000s, because that is our sweet spot. But uh, yeah, just a guy who makes you go, oh yeah, I remember that guy. So sitting around and naming old footy players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the entire world. And 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 this week, one of the OGs, the anonymous backer, has emerged from hiding from his cabin in the mountains of Siberia. He's taken a big risk here. He has carved a name in the side of a small uh, piece of wood, strapped that to a carrier pigeon, and through a series of mishaps too complicated to relay here, mm. the pigeon arrived at my house today. And I looked at the stick, and the name carved upon it was Paul Rauhihi. Fantastic. So Paul Rauhihi is probably best known for his work with the Cowboys, which is where the anonymous backup sort of had a had a real fondness for him. But his story begins at the Newcastle Knights, where he was that most beloved of creatures for us, a mature age debutant. Mm. He was 26 years old when he made his NRL debut in 1999. So he's a he's a big he's a big Kiwi front rower, sort of bounced around all a lot of Bounced around a lot of Kiwi competitions, playing some pretty good footy in the in the mid to late 90s. Won a reserve grade premiership with Auckland. I think did some time in the Kiwi Navy as, as well. So, you know, he's a good good man serving his country and all mm. that. And then sort of bounced up at the Knights. Was an underrated player at, at Canterbury for a few years after that. But the Cowboys is, is where he did his best work. And that's where that's where my fondest memories are of him are. And he, he was a very particular kind of player for the Cowboys in that time. Like it's a, it's a little bit different now, but, but you'll remember me. Remember how hard it was for the Cowboys to sign anybody. Yeah. It was really, really tough for him. And like now that they've sort of bounced back a little bit and you know, they're on the scene and they have good years and bad years and all that. But I, I, I wonder if some of our younger fans will remember just how desolate times were for the Cowboys in the, in the early years. 
You know, they didn't make the finals for the first nine years of their existence. A lot of the time they just got the absolute shit kicked out of them. I think they had three wooden spoons in their first in their first seven or eight years. It was really, really tough times. So one of the only moves they had was going to blokes on on good teams who couldn't either couldn't crack the first grade side or were coming off the bench and said, mate, come up here and, and you'll be a starter. And that's what poor Wauhihi did. He went up there, he shaved off his head, and he turned into a fucking killer. And he gave three great, great years for the Cowboys, probably highlighted by the work he did in the run to the grand final in 2005. But I'll always remember that 2004 team extremely, extremely fondly. It's the first Cowboys mm. team yeah. to make the finals. Dude, I went, like, yeah, I went to that prelim against the Roosters just to go because... Well, man, you, you'll remember yourself. I, so we all we talk about the 05 Tigers, honestly, probably too much. Yes. But I feel like the 05 Tigers almost take up the spotlight from the 04 Cowboys. I agree. Because that was a that was a legitimate that was a that took rugby league by storm that run that that run they went on. Like Brisbane agreeing to move the semi to North Queensland, the the first of all the win over the Bulldogs. Well, yeah. Well, let's let's start there. So yeah, the the, the anonymous backer had inscribed a secondary note on the back <laughs> of the wood that the carrier pigeon brought, and it said, "He goes, I want to pick Matt Singh, but he's probably well too too well known." Yeah, and that's a hundred percent true. But Matty Singh, like dunking over Matt Utai in that Bulldogs Cowboys semi, mm. which was in Sydney, it's the second place Bulldogs against the seventh place Cowboys. Matty Singh just dunking over Matt Utai, like playing vertical that was, football. Yeah, that, that was, was incredible <laughs> shit. And the most interesting thing that was Utai come on the scene and just been such an unstoppable force. Basically, from the day he debuted, I think he came in for Nigel Vungana, who missed a game through injury for the Dogs, and he came in and was instantly just a complete smash hit in the NRL. He was so powerful. He was so hard to tackle. He had still to this day has the biggest quads of any player I've ever seen. More quad than man. Yeah. But no one ever really sort of tested how bad he was in the air until this game when the Cowboys just put bomb after bomb after bomb up for Matty Singh to just, as you said, dunk on him and put him on a poster. And yeah, Singh got a hat trick in this game. Well, Matty Singh, it, Matty yeah. Singh in that game he was coming back from a broken jaw. He'd broken his jaw midway through the season, came back early, and Matt Singh, the master, scored as many as he saved. He knew he had to do something different. So he looked back in the archives and he put the headgear back on. When he came through as a center winger at Penrith, he wore that old school black hair. Yeah, yeah, he did. The Beaver Menzies wore. Yeah. And then at some point, I think when he went down to the Roosters and, and became a little bit more flashy and all that, he threw the headgear away. But 04, he was like, I need something special. I need to remind him that I'm Matty fucking Singh and this is how I do it. So he just strapped that on and started getting airborne, baby. Jeez, yep. it was great shit. And yeah, and it's a little bit bittersweet there because Rahihi was so good for the Cowboys, but you're right. He is best remembered for his play as a Cowboy. But one of the things that I best remember him for is basically being the only cap casualty for the cheating Bulldogs. He was basically the only guy that got squeezed out when they got caught cheating in 2002. And so he's basically the only guy from that O2 team, which if you take out the cheating is one of the greatest teams of all time. <laughs> he's basically the only guy pretty much that wasn't there to enjoy the premiership success um, two years later. Yeah. Yeah. That is a tough beat, but um, and he still got to play in a grand final and he played pretty well in that grand final from memory as well. Helped, helped set up um, the first try to Matt Bowen with a nice, with a nice little offload and, had that great run in 04 as well, you know, where they had the the first win, uh, the Cowboys' first ever win over Brisbane in that second week of the finals, which, you know, if you can't win a grand final, you want to win a game like that. 
I don't think, again, younger listeners might not realize. So Wayne Bennett agreed to move the well, originally originally yeah. the mat the match because of the the my beloved McIntyre system God, it was so finals, stupid the Broncos Cowboys match in the second week of the 2004 finals was meant to be played in Sydney once again Nick Hampton thinks this is the superior final system he thinks it this is. is the right way to do things it's it's continue closer, it's closer to the best system all the only the the only thing that it needed changing was, was just have yeah just okay. have it so the losing team from week one Hosts in week two, because yeah, yeah, like that's yeah, like oh, like was it oh was it uh oh nine where the dragons won the minor premiership, lost in week one, and then had to go to like away to sixth place Brisbane in week two of the finals. Like, very silly stuff. But yeah, in 04, they still had every game in Sydney, and then the teams agreed that because that is a terrible idea, um, and obviously because the Cowboys never made the finals before, this was the first time two Queensland teams had played each other in a finals game. They agreed, and somehow the Broncos acquiesced to this that they not only would move it away from Sydney, but not like a middle ground in Rockhampton, not to Brisbane, but to but to Townsville itself. And they played at the Cowboys home ground. It was 10 nil and it was an yeah. incredible game. David Miles scored scored the only try. It was Gordon Tallis's last game in first grade. And it was just uh one of those one of those first games that I remember watching. And I remember I remember watching it when I was eleven years old or whatever. And I remember thinking, I'll never forget this. I'll never ever it was forget crazy. This. I'll never forget this Cowboys, this Cowboys game ever, ever, ever. I know? can tell you like, this is like, so it was, it was my, it was my birthday party at my house. And we all went, like, it was me and like 15 of my mates just gathered around the TV watching, watching this game. We like stopped doing whatever we were doing to watch stopped this partying. game because it was such a big deal. I don't know how much partying you can do as 13 and 14 year olds, but we all stopped, <laughs> we all stopped what we were doing to gather around the TV and watch this game. It was crazy. Unbelievable. And then they have that nineteen sixteen. Fitler scored that amazing try. And they're they're beaten, but they play them hard. And there was that very controversial ending. There was. And should have got a penalty and and one more play. Well, it's always very vivid to me. Paul Rauhihi screaming at the ref that the decision's wrong and they got to check it and all that sort of thing. And you know what I say? He's right. Paul Rauhihi was right. Yeah, so there was an error, and I think Minicello to jump up and catch a kick, dropped it, and a rooster in front of him fell on the ball. And because the game can end on an error as not a penalty though. So the siren went and it was going to be a scrum. So the game just ended. Yeah. And the Cowboys players were trying to make the point that no, this should be a penalty. We should get one more play. And of course it was a three point game at that point. And fuck no, you can't ask for much more than a tap 10 meters out with one play to go to a grand final. Well, I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what Simpkins I'll... robbed us of that. <laughs> I'll tell you what they were doing on that one play. Kicking it to Matty Singh. Kicking it to Matty Singh. <laughs> there, Was he on Hegarty's wing or Chris Walker's? Either way, he's got the advantage, um... but... Oh, I think he was on. He was on the right wing for the cows. Mm, so that's and I think I think Walker was on the right wing for the yeah. Rest. So it's Hegarty's so, wing. So or was Hegarty in the centers? No, because Hegarty's no Hegarty's was on the left because remember he was clapping in the grand final when Elmasri scored that try. Oh yeah, like they, I don't think he, that was a try. You know, uh, I, think, <laughs> I, I I think I think they did enough. The people I remember Hasim Elmasri barged over the line. He, like and. Shannon Hegarty is the winger on that side. So he was on the left hand because I remember this so clearly. Yeah. Was on the left hand side. Thought the other teammates had done a good enough job to hold him up. So just started applauding. <laughs> and then the refs was like, try. And he's like, oh shit, I probably probably should have helped hold him up there. But oh well. Oh, tough beat. Well, anyway, after that, Rao he went over to, to Super League on a very, very rich deal to Warrington and ended up playing there till he was about 36. And then I think he went back to back to NZ. So a um a a, a late bloomer. But mm. what a blooming it was! Ten years in the top grade, oh. some great memories. 
great, great pick from the anonymous backer. When he, uh, when this is relayed to him by Morse code, mm. I'm sure he'll he'll have enjoyed it. I could, uh, yeah. The 04 Cowboys is one of those magical teams that you and I could talk about. Yeah, always. and they kind of, and they kind of do get forgotten a little bit because of the time. Yeah. In a lot of people's hearts, there's only room for one fairy tale, and um, fortunately, you and I have have a heart big enough to. That's right. Yeah, the 05 Tigers kind of kind of stole the the spotlight mm. for him a little bit, but the 04 Cows, that's uh that's one for that's that's one for the real heads. Shout out Josh Hannay. Doff your steps into him, boys. <laughs> Shout out Josh Hannay. Always picked him in virtual NRL. Hell yeah. Player. Love Josh Hannay. All right, let's go. Weekend ahead. Well, no, hang on, hang on. Next week, the random ge- oh. number generator has chosen Ed Burton. Oh, for the uh for the what about this guy? I'm not sure of Ed's proclivities when it comes to when it comes to his team so we could be getting a bit of a wild card here but uh, ed's a good man go I, don't, I don't know if he's act, act, active on the discord but he messes me on twitter a fair bit so all right well good. birdo what's your time son go birdo go birdo i wonder if there's an old burton he can pick that'd have to be sure yeah, it's surely. a pretty common name yeah common. i can't think of one but whatever let's let's move on okay um yeah look uh i've so all year, Souths have had some clunky performances. They've had some struggles. And I think the Dragons game aside, because they were just missing so, so many players that like I honestly was like, there's no way they can win this game. This is the least confident I've been about a Souths game this year as they go to Auckland for the first time in four or five years to play the Red Hot Warriors. Yeah, well, it's not just a Red Hot Warriors side. It'll be a Red Hot New Zealand crowd. All Sold out on, at Go Media on. Stadium. <laughs> Just all hepped up on Steinlager and Tui and Red Lion and all your other Kiwi faves. Be rowdy as hell. Be a, it would be an intimidating environment for any Souths team, mm. I would say. Um, but given the amount of outs that they have, there's there could still be more blokes out by by game day. I think there's talk that um, Blake Toff might be might be in a little bit of doubt, and so all all of a sudden you're really really digging deep into the bullpen and against a Warriors team that is playing with so much confidence right now and has so much to play for and, and for whom this could be a little bit of a coming out party, because even if Souths are undermanned, Souths are still Souths. You know, I, I was, I was quite taken when I was watching the the Raiders Roosters game on replay last week and how much the commentary team was focused on the Roosters. And I'm not saying that to be like a weird Canberra person would say, no, you know, they're not talking about us enough. But it's just, it's just a simple fact that there are some clubs when you play them and when you beat them, people will sit up and take notice Correct. because those clubs just sort of dominate the media cycle and sort of dominate um, the scope of the sport more than others do. And that's, that's just, that's just a fact. And Souths are one of those teams. So if the Warriors are able to to really step up and really keep their form going and and keep doing the things that they've been doing really well, even if Souths are going to have a fair few guys out, I do think it'll be something that, you know, sort of pricks people's ears up a little bit. And it won't just be us talking about the Warriors anymore. It'll be, there'll be a couple of people who are looking over a shoulder and saying, fucking hell, mm. Kia fine now, here they come. Yeah, they're, they're red hot. Uh, I... Uh, one little thing I'm excited about. I think we are going to get a Tyrone Munro debut. Great story. Started the year in SG Ball, uh, super athletic outside back. So uh, not sure where he's going to play. There is talk, as you mentioned, of Blake Torf not being there, which I think would then see Alex Johnston back to fullback. There's a throwback. Um, yeah, wow. And uh, and Munro coming into that back line. Campbell Graham's in a bit of doubt as well, but I think he is going to play. And yeah, I think if people are wondering why... Uh, 
Isaiah Tarson playing. I believe his partner is either giving birth today or is about to give birth. So staying with her, that's fine. Some things are bigger than footy. But um, yeah, look, mate, it's it's very difficult for me to make a case for South winning this game. I think they really are just treading water until Latrell Mitchell gets back. And on top of that, like, it, I, I mean, it is, they've got a nice little cushion to the teams below them in the eight. They've got a much superior for and against and a win more than the next best team that's outside the eight right now. But um, yeah, the season is getting away from them a little bit. And I think that this one is kind of just a throwaway. I think uh, I wouldn't even say it's a schedule loss because the Warriors are better than that. They deserve more respect than that. But um, it, it's looking real dire for South with, with once again, the guys they have out. I will say that the one thing is that the Warriors have done so much of their good work this year on the back of their forward pack, just being aggressive and bullying everyone. Souths are getting back to full strength in terms of their forward pack. They, they, Havili gave, they elected to give Saliva Havili a full game in cup last week rather than uh, giving him 20 minutes off the bench in first grade, which I think was probably better given he hasn't played this year until he played 15 minutes in that Dragons game. Cam Murray is playing. He's fine despite that that knock he took last week. Keon's playing, although he didn't look great last week. Tom Burgess is Tom Burgess is there. David Wiley is there. It's a good bench still. Um, and, you know, if their forwards can really stand up, and I think they'll be looking to try and make a point after how poor last week was, if their forwards can stand up and sort of go toe-to-toe with the Warriors. There is a world where they'll get enough good ball to do something with it. Because I don't think Cody Walken could be that bad two weeks in a row either. But yeah, I, I think the Warriors are firm favorites in this game and they deserve to be. To that end, the thing I would really be looking for if I was a, a South Sydney persuasion would be would be some of those forwards kind of hitting a little bit former. Uh, former. I know Tom Burgess was back last week, but I thought he was a fair way below his best, I which agree. is to be expected because he had a, a quite extended layoff with injury. I think Cam Murray is as I wouldn't say he's out of form, but it's just been a minute, like been a week or two since we've seen mm. vintage Cam Murray doing the vintage Cam Murray things. So like less than an avenue to, to, to victory, that would just be what I would want to see for South Sydney to, to sort of push forward from this game. Cause I think it is looking more and more like they're going to be, they like that, like, like, like they, they are going to be up against it. Um, I'm, I am keen to see Tyrone Munro play. I, I first yeah. saw him play in a schoolboy carnival a couple of years ago, and like he's still a kid now. So he was he was he was just a kid back then. But even then, just just stood out as one of those really beautiful movers that you see sometimes. You know, I think he's I think he's main spots on the wing, but just very quick, very intuitive in the open field. Um, local junior, a, a real South Sydney success story. So tough environment to make a, make you debut over in the cold and the wet in New Zealand with SJ putting up bombs and Dallin with Tenny Zelezniak's mullet flapping in the breeze as he chahoos all over you. But, um, you know, welcome to the big league, son. Best of luck. You know, uh, what a former South Sydney outside back legend debuted away to the Warriors? No. Nathan Merritt. Did he really? And I believe, I believe, I'm just pulling up Rugby League Project real quick. I believe he scored two tries in that game. But uh, let me check. Yep, Warriors, yep. South's 18, Warriors 25. No, he only scored one try, but he did score. Jeez, uh, you could do a, a year's worth of what about this blokes on these lineups. My goodness. Just, just read out the South Sydney back one. Uh, fullback Wade McKinnon. Wings. Oh, Brent... I always forget he was at South Side. Yeah. Wing, wings Brent Gross, Scott McLean, centers Russell Richardson and Andrew King, brother of Matt King, Brad Watson, Wallabies legend Brett Sheehan in the halves. That is that is fertile ground. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't win so many games that year. Demerit come off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> Impact player. Yeah, someone called Wes Mars was also on the bench. You know where he's from? Where? Camden. Wes Mars? Yeah. Really? 
There's a guy who played two games for South in 2002 called Wes Mars. And on Rugby League Project, it says his place of birth is Camden, New South Wales. Okay. Well, yeah, like Camden, Camden Hospital. I think it stopped having births in like the... <laughs> He's a construction magnate. Is he? Wes Mars. There's like a giant feature on him in the Sydney Morning Herald from last year. Oh, we for, a man who's, for a man whose fortune has plunged almost $200 million in the past year, former National Rugby League player turned businessman, Wes Mars is incredibly upbeat. <laughs> He's the the mass group of construction. Hang on, hang on. He's worth There's got to be a quote mil. in there where he says, "I was on Souths in the early two thousands, losing two hundred million is nothing to me. <laughs> I've experienced true despair." <laughs> is that like a one guy of like I randomly picked out of this of this lineup, and he's a building magnate is worth half a billion dollars? Unbelievable! How what a story. The, why is he the mayor of Camden? Well, I, I don't know, but like, there's a lot of guys who were born in Camden who aren't from Camden. Like Sean Fenson was born in Camden. Ah, okay. You know, and you love so, Sean Fenson, so I sure do. Mm. All right, uh, Mars Group publicly listed. If you want to buy some shares, do it. So <laughs> oh, I'm tipping the I'm tipping the Warriors. I am too. I am too. I I'm still very much looking forward to this game, even if Souths are going to be not at full strength. I'm actually not. I'm well, actually not looking forward to that's it at all. Up, that's up to you. I respect I respect your feelings. Yeah, but it is Friday night footy, as as they say. Apparently, Shannon Noll was banned from singing on TV because Nine's sponsored by McDonald's, Man, <laughs> and that's why he couldn't the... sing the KFC song at Origin on TV. Oh, God, it's just so low rent, bro. It's awful. It's so shit. Nolsey up there fucking screeching about fried chicken, like the worst. Like again, we're not to labor a point, but I've heard that song at games on Wednesday and Saturday now this year, guys. The whole point is it's Friday. Anyway, whatever. The, it no, used the... to be. When people used to sing, we like, used to build things takeaway in this country. songs at the footy. It used to it used to mean something, man. We used to be a real be country. A real country. <laughs> I love saying that. Um, <laughs> tell you what, a real matchup to cap off Friday. The Melbourne Storm yeah. hosting the Panthers at Telstra Dome. I did enjoy the story today. It was like playing at the Telstra Dome again reminds us of when Melbourne cheated the salary cap all that time. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, it, it does. You're right. It does. It's very indicative of like that sort of you know maybe. 2008 to 2010 mm. uh, storm era when they would occasionally play big games at the, at the TD. But uh, yeah, I gotta, t- I gotta tell you, I, 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 we've got two big games this weekend, both at uh, oval venues. Yeah. And I wonder how quickly it will go from, Oh, this is a ground. We don't play it often. And this is quite a novelty to, Fuck playing on ovals, man. I don't know about it. <laughs> oh yeah, because I, I people have short memories. Like if anyone went to a Roosters home game at the SCG in those three years they played there, whatever it was, atrocious. Well, the saving grace of the SCG got a bit of historical genesis. Exactly. So, but I mean, I, I've yeah. actually never been to the Gabba, so I neither can't, have I actually I can't speak to that. Mm. But I've been to Telstra Dome, and it's not good. I've been to Telstra Dome for AFL. A League and Socceroos, and yeah, the atmosphere is never good. Yeah, well, so. I've only been there for fights and the mm. and the atmosphere. Oh yeah, we were there for the fights. Yeah, that was also a bit. To be yeah. fair, the Aussie guy got the shit kicked out of him, so yeah, that didn't help. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm this is a banger this one. Fantastic. I'm really pumped. Couldn't ask for much more on a Friday night. Um, Cameron Munster back, huge in. Obviously, the Panthers. I mean, they'll just be delighted after last week. I mean, they basically threw that game away we're basically essentially saying we're going to give these guys a rest and if we win we win if we don't not a big deal we've got enough in the bank to get on with it the rest of the season and instead they just won that game and now they get a fully rested 
gaggle of origin players back for this one. And so they've played it to perfection, really. Well, we kind of I kind of talked a bit about it a little bit last week, but the point bears repeating. What Penrith's gonna do over the last sort of over the last stretch of the regular season is really gonna be defined by how their origin contingent bounces back from from sort of, you know, suffering some pretty big disappointments on the biggest stage. The more I think about it, the more I think it will it will kind of supercharge them a little bit, you know, because I do think they are at that point where they've achieved so much together that mm. if they have something to rally to rally them together, if they have something to fight against, that's almost a blessing. And it's very, very easy to see the Penrith versus the world mentality that sort of came through in their 2021 and 2022 in their premierships over the last two years. It's very easy to see that yeah. coming back together, you know, so even without Nathan Cleary, I kind of like them. I, I I think, and even though they're on foreign soil, I think they're going to get it done in this one. Cause I just think they're going to have so many blokes who are just want to going to come out and do a bit of shit kicking, you know, and sort of knock some blokes around and try and, and like remind everyone that, you know, we're the Penrith Panthers and we're the best team in the league over the last three years. And you can make a case that we're the best team of the NRL era. And we're going to show you why we're yeah. going to show you why we're going to come. We're going to go directly up the middle with all our speed and all our power. And we're going to whack the shit out of you in defense. And we're going to wait for you to break, you know, yeah. and even without Nathan, Nathan Cleary's King game, I think that's something they're going to be able to do to Melbourne. Yeah, mate, completely agree. We're, we've both written in the past, how desperate they are to always find chips to put on their shoulder and not having Nathan Cleary and sort of kind of being a little bit forgotten about, not in premiership odds because they're still the favorites, but just in the last, especially in the first 10 weeks of the season where most of the conversation was about Souths and Brisbane as the front runners, but then they were kind of just sort of left to their own devices to just win week after week quietly. If I don't know how you get to the top of the table quietly, but they found a way and yeah, they'll be delighted to be written off by anyone that, that you, you, we know how desperate they are to find any sort of motivation like that. And they do come into this game as very, very slight outsiders. I think that's largely just because it's in Melbourne rather than because it's in Sydney. And I kind of agree with you. I think that Melbourne have really got their shit together in the last few weeks. I think that they are, they have found themselves after what was a relatively slow start, but at the same time, there's been a few wins from them where I haven't really been overly impressed. Like they're not, they don't often look to me like the Melbourne team of, of days past. It's just relentless and, and, and doesn't let their foot off the, off the, off the gas for, for the entire game. Like you go back to a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they had the, they had the win over Brisbane, which was decent. They 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 laboured to win over a Dolphins team that at this point we now know is not really sort of really the Dolphins. And then, you know, the last couple of games, yeah, they they won well, but they were just kind of again going through the motions against bad teams in the in the Tigers and, and in Manly. So this will be, I think, Penrith's uh, in Melbourne, sorry. This will be Melbourne's first proper test since they played South and Brisbane back to back in May. So I, I'm delighted to see what happens and i'm really looking forward to how they use sort of what they've learned in the last few weeks and sort of how they've got their mojo back against one of these big teams who they've not really had the chance to get their hands on in quite a while so yeah i think for both of these teams i think there's a little bit more on the line for melbourne than there is for penrith in this one yeah i I think not only because they're favorites but because again the, the the thing with melbourne this year is that they have struggled a little bit to to beat those those fellow competition heavyweights they 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 got they had that loss against Souths and I know it was Origin affected but they lost to lost to the Cowboys and then that's you know that's a that's a couple of the 
biggest, that's the couple of the highest ranking teams from last year. They haven't played Penrith yet, right? So they play them again at, in Penrith towards the end of the season. So yeah, I'm just really looking forward to what they do in this game. And I think it will be really, really close. Yeah, I mean, at no point should you ever think either of these teams with the guys they have are going to get blown out. Um, but yeah, I think that maybe Penrith just eased, eased this one out because I do think that their forward pack is a little bit better. And I do think that they can build a platform off that and do enough to get over one. Yeah, well, parents' forward pack is better. I think I think their bench is is a bit stronger as well. I would I would have you know what a few weeks ago, I would have agreed with you with about the storm. I would agree with you that they weren't looking like the storm that we've come to to know over the last um, couple of years. But I, I really think that Sharks game might have been the start of a turnaround for mm-hmm. them because even though they've been without a lot of their guys, a lot of their Origin guys in in the week since just the way that they've been able to to handle their business and the way that they've been able to be consistent through the 80 minutes is I think I think they were just showing qualities that they didn't really have earlier in the season you know and and to beat someone like Penrith you have to be extremely consistent through that 80 minutes because mm. if you don't meet their physical challenge from minute 1 to minute 80 at some point they'll get over the top of you and once they're on top of you they're not going anywhere you know what i mean so i agree this is a big step up for them but I think they've been building to, to 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 something like this, and I think they've been building to a, a performance like this where they're really going to have their medal tested. I'm I'm going to be interested to see if they make a couple of late switches in the pack, like Tarek Sims starting at prop and Nelson Sofa Solomon starting on the edge. I would think that they get swapped around, but Tarek Sims has has to me been quite disappointing with what he's produced for them. I, agree. I know he's gotten on a little bit, but he's somebody who's playing Origin footy last year you know so like i think they were probably expecting a little bit more from him and he's kind of just been a bit part player for them you know and with ellie katoa gonna miss he's gonna miss a couple more weeks with a with an eye injury i believe which sounds pretty gnarly they're gonna need a big shift from sims and they're gonna need big shifts from guys like bronson garlic and alec mcdonald and tui kamakamitha and that's just that's just a big ass, you know. When when Penrith are so well known for their relentless intensity in the middle of the field, and when then they've they've got blokes like Spencer Lenu leading the charge off the bench, you know. So this is a big step up for Melbourne. I, I I think it's a step they're capable of making, but I don't think they're going to do it this time. I'm going mm. the Panthers in a really really tight one and a and a low scoring one, which I All think right. favors Penrith. Uh, which really quick before we move on, uh, which player is most likely to be affect uh, um, confused by the AFL markings on the field? Um, that is a good one. Okay, who is the least AFL player in this game? James Fisher Harris. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, but he he, he James Fisher Harris. He doesn't his go near sidelines. He doesn't go near. He doesn't go near sidelines very often. So yeah, he's. Uh, maybe he'll see the come to maybe the he'll see the one. goal square and think it's the try line. That'd be great. I'll enjoy that thoroughly. <laughs> oh, All fish, right. get out there for for the center bounce. <laughs> he just looks at him with the most withering fucking gaze you've ever seen in all your born days. Yep. Sorry, right. fish. I won't yep. do it again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, your beloved Canberra Raiders, the start of Super Saturday, hosting the Gold Coast Titans. This is what the uh, pessimistic and beaten down Lime Green faithful call a trap game, I believe. Wor- worried about this one. Mm. Worried about this one. I the, Ra- the Raiders started slight favorites and have kind of been creeping in all week. But I think with the footy that the Titans have been playing, um, with, the, with the confidence they would have got 
out of that performance against Brisbane and then just the stylistic matchup. I think this is a game that the Titans would feel really, really good about um, about getting. You know, Canberra have struggled this year against well-structured attack and the Titans structure their attack down their left side very, very well, particularly off Kieran Foran and particularly with Dave Fafita. Canberra's right-hand side, particularly the gap between Elliot Whitehead and Jamal Fogarty has not been a defensive strength at all this year. Um, the Titans have a, a big mobile forward pack, especially through the middle of the field. Like mm. we've all seen how well Mo Fodawake has been doing this year. Tino Fatsumala, are we's back? You know, Sam, Sam Verrills is running around the park really, really well. And the Titans have enough t- attacking class to sort of throw a lot of problems at a Raiders team that have been really inconsistent with their defense this yeah. year. You know, and... You know, there's 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 matchups as well that I think Canberra will will fancy as well. I I think get getting that good win over the Roosters, where they were probably getting back towards the footy that's worked well for them this year, which is you know keeping it tight and staying intense and sort of building things off Jamal Fogarty's kicking game. I think that is a good path forward for them. But I don't know. It's us. It, it the the Titans have sort of been jumping out at me at, all week ever since I started considering this matchup. I think. I think this is one that sort of that really, really favors them. Yeah, I was looking forward to watching these two groups of middles bash into each other. Um, no Papali, I think, could be just gigantic because, I mean, in, in the games where you have been without him previously, like it's so much has fallen on Joe Tarpane being awesome, which he has done, Pasami Solo being solid, which he has done, and then the rest of it basically. The Raiders go as the back row goes and how well those guys play. And for your large parts of this season, Horson and, and Hudson Young have been so good for you. And I think that this game mostly is going to come down to how well those 11, 12, and 13 play for you. I think that if those guys can give Tarpane the support he needs in terms of getting them up and down the field, I think they'll be fine. And I think that, you know, if, if the horse has another quiet one, if Elliot Whitehead's a little bit off the ball and if Hudson Young does a few Hudson dumb things, then that then that is a recipe for the Titans to maybe find a weakness because I think that, I mean, look, the the Titans have speed to burn in their back line. And, you know, you've got Jared Croker and Jordan Rapana out there. It's not exactly a recipe uh, for success in terms of defense. And I think that if you give the Titans enough chances, they will make you pay. And so for me, it it really just comes down to what the rest of those forwards do and how much support they can give Tarpa. If they can do that, if they can keep the Titans at bay and if they can keep them out of a lot of good ball sets, I think you'll win this one. But if they're not up to speed, if they don't come correct, as you would normally say, then the Titans are a gigantic chance for me. That is a thing I like saying. Mm. I, I like that you've picked out the the two back rowers because I think they are both really important. But I actually think it's more defensively. You know, Whitehead has had some good games this year, but is you know he's got a lot of miles on the motor, and 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 that's starting to tell sometimes, particularly with his lateral movement. And Hudson Young is a is his his contact in defense is really good, but sometimes he can be guilty of um, either over chasing like he was for the for the first Joe Manu try last week, or that entire edge can sort of just become a little bit too a little bit too narrow sometimes. And that's not just on Hudson Young; that's on Jack White as well because communication on that edge is 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 really important. But I think those two really need to have their boiler suits on for this one defensively yeah. because like you say, the Titans do have so much speed and if you let them get on the outside, they can skin you from anywhere on the field. If they can make Selwyn you know? Colo look slow, they can make Jack Croker and John <laughs> Rapana look slow. Okay. But 
there is there is a wild card in this game hmm. because we've talked about this game very rationally, very ah. very thoroughly. <laughs> I think we have, we have talked about this game, the strengths and weaknesses of both teams, with a good deal of 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 re- like a a very reasoned, reasonable exchange. Yeah. These two teams are fucking nuts. Well, that's the thing. If like, it, like these the, are the these are the these are the two these are the two craziest teams in the yeah. Well, if, goddamn if, league. If the Titans was if the Titans and their chaotic energy was shrunken down into one player, it would probably be Jack White. So you have the most chaotic player against the most chaotic team. So yeah, everything we just said can probably go out the window, and it'll be a wild game, thirty-two thirty with Ata Mariota scoring the winning try or something like that. Who the hell knows? Yeah, I, it, it's to me, it's too distinct types of chaos though the mm. titans are like a really wicked guitar solo that's just all over the road and the guitarist ends up like smashing his guitar on the ground and lighting it on fire yeah right? and then the raiders are the sort of unmitigated chaos that just comes when you get like 15 blokes together on a buck strip and just feed them beer for an entire afternoon mm. you know what i mean like yes. they're, 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 they're they're in the sort of mode where People are doing like table slams on each other off the roof mm. of the Airbnb. You nothing feel me? With that. Yeah, fuck no, yeah. No, no, nothing wrong with either approach. Both mm. approaches, while destructive, are incredible to watch. Mm. But it's two distinct brands of chaos here. So I don't know whose whose raw uh, raw stupidity is going to mm. win the day on this one, but. Um, I'm sure I'll have several heart attacks along the way. Yeah. And in the end, isn't that what it's all about? It's one of my favorite corollaries. The more dudes you put in a room, the dumber they get. That's right. Uh, I'm going to zag a little bit, take the Titans in this one. I think the Titans are going to win, but I'm going to take Wow. All right, cool. Let's move on. Uh, Nicholas, if I told you like four weeks ago when we went to Leichhardt Oval that the team that just shipped 66 will be a dollar ten favorites when these two teams play each other in a month, you probably would have said, yeah, that makes sense. It's the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you couldn't tell me anything that night, bro. Not, no, as, I stood, no. not as I stood astride Pierce Mountain. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> but um, yeah, Cowboys... They look a different team in the past few weeks. Um, you know, they they were brilliant last week against Souths. They had that amazing win over the Storm a couple of weeks ago. And now they get a Tigers team that hasn't really kicked on in any way, shape, or form since that famous night. They've just really lurched from from low point to low point. And have they won a game since then? No. Well, uh, no. Have they? They beat Penrith. That was before. And there was, was one before. other game. They, they, won the, they beat the Dragons, but that was, that was a magic round. Yep. So that's it. So yeah, they only have three wins in the year. I'm looking yes, at the ladder. They've only won three games. I know they've only I've won three sto- games. I've just stopped looking at the ladder because, like, it's so it's stupid. Yeah, yeah. No, they've only won three games. So yes, they haven't won a game since that Leichhardt game. So yeah. Whereas the Cowboys have just been brilliant. And look, well, we're I already think, yeah. I think that for that Cowboys Tigers game was that was rock bottom for the Cows and what had been a very disappointing season to that point. And they hit rock bottom, and then they kind of bounced up a little bit. You know, and then they sort of caught a bit of life with that big win over the storm. And now you look at this side with everyone that's with everyone that's back with a contingent of Queenslanders that have come off a really, really great confidence building origin series. They've found something um with a couple of young fellas as well. All of a sudden you look at this cows team, you think, fuck, there they are. That's the team I remember. That's the team I remember from from last season. Mm. Like they're finally back. They're finally here. You know, and They've yeah they've given up they've given up some ground to to some other teams but you know it might be time to start feasting it might be time for a you know for the cowboy for the, the all the all the cowboys to kill one of the cattle that they've been rustling and just roast it over an open fire on the plains mm. 
you know? Like, yeah. And I, I think, I think they're going to, I think they're going to win this one. I think they're going to win it in pretty good fashion as well because they showed a lot of attacking class last week. So I'm going to. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in. on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. Oh, he thinks yeah. he did. Oh. Cold train cup. I'm going to cold train him. I'm going to do it. Yep. You know, I got uh, I got to get some away teams in at some point, but I also. But not this week. <laughs> not this week. This week. Uh, this week. This week I'm going the cows. I'm just. All I'm expecting is more of what they've been doing. I'm expecting more wheeling and dealing from mm. Scott Drinkwater. I'm expecting the forwards to continue the, the better form that they've shown over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> this might hurt you. I'm not expecting Stafford Tower to give Val Holmes another skinning. Hurtful, I, don't think, I, I, don't think, I don't think that'll happen twice. Yeah, I, I will also tip the Cowboys. Let's move on to WrestleMania 2 at the Gabba. Are you excited? Doesn't really have the same. Excited as I was for yeah. WrestleMania. Well, the other thing is that the the Dolphin season has kind of fallen away, which has sort of sucked some of the magic out of that. Were they three and zero when that that game happened? Right? They were unbeaten. Yeah. Yeah, and now they're seven and eight, so they've lost a bunch of games. Most so they've they've yeah they're four and eight since WrestleMania one. So well, there's uh I I stopped saying this because I was saying it too much and people were making fun of me, but something can only happen for the first time once. By people, you mean me and Coleman, yes. <laughs> no, a lot of people were, but <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, set the second Battle of Brisbane can only ever be the second one. It I will kill you. you can't, how much can't... mileage are you going to get? Are we going to be doing this show in like three years' time, and you're going to be like, well, WrestleMania 7 can only happen for the seventh time once. No, but, the, <laughs> no, but there's a there's actually not a bad parallel with, with, the, with WrestleMania, because the first one's the first one, and that's great. I don't even know what happened at the second one. And then the third WrestleMania one. WrestleMania 3 is the big one. The third one's the big one. That's the one at the Silverdome in front of, I think it was 400,000 people. Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre the Giant. Yeah. So maybe this is just the bridge that we have to get to, to WrestleMania 3, when 107,000 people pack into Suncorp Stadium. Yeah, we can only, we can only, we can only hope. But uh, yeah, look, again, look, yeah, the other bit of the luster is, of course, Reese Walsh not playing, uh, lost his hearing the other night. And yeah, the, the Dolphins have struggled majorly in the last few weeks and i think brisbane will be up for this one given given last week's disappointing performance but they lost jordan ricky and tom flegler to to injuries so that's three big outs for them and suddenly you know look throw the form book out the window when these teams play each other um (laughs) because you know you know but there was a point to that because even when the titans were shit they always fucking turned up against the broncos right always aimed up yeah and the dolphins are just going to do the same thing I appreciate what you're saying, um, but the Dolphins do look to be in a really bad place. They're putting Hamiso Tabuai Fideo in the centers and Nikarima at fullback, which I don't love. I think they're doing that just because they're out of centers that they that they want to play in the in the top grade, but don't love that. Even though Brisbane have a few outs or whatever, this is still very much their game yeah. to lose, I, I would think. And while they're going to have to do some wheeling and dealing to cover the loss of Jordan Ricky on the edge, just because they are running out of back rowers at this point. I think they named Xavier Willison out there, but there's probably a few other guys that can step into that role. Um, I think as long as they sort of attack the middle with their typical aggression through Carrigan and Haas, they should be okay. They should yeah. be okay. They should be able to work everything out. Do we want to talk about the Walsh stuff now? No, we'll save it for the news if you want. I reckon, I reckon let's just do it now. Okay. Well, my take was that it was extremely funny. 
it was it was one of those nights where I was just shaking my head and thinking, God, what a sport. What a ridiculous like sport. Dave, Dave Fafita, the expert witness, dialing in. <laughs> um, Pat Carrigan having to be told that he could say the F word and the C word. He didn't have to keep saying the F word and the C word. He was allowed to just drop the C bomb whenever he wanted. Um, the whole thing was hilarious. He was never going to win this. But my favorite part was the trial went for like four hours. And then at the end, the ruling was just like, yeah, so yeah, we, we think you did it. <laughs> it's like, well, what was the what was the point of any of this? Jay, it was funny. Jay, it was funny. Like the every trial of the century. It was it was dead set like Monty Python esque. Some of the some of the, some of the transcripts that were coming out. Pat Carrigan giving us adding um slow your fucking brain. To, well, I told to so many people to slow their brain. Oh, you'll the last be saying, couple of days. You'll be saying it heaps. Yeah. So when it happened, I was like, yeah, three weeks. That's probably right. It's, it's pretty much in line with what they gave Brandon Smith earlier this season. Cheat is so much worse, though. Hey? Cheat is so much worse. Oh, well, it's, it's it's you know, it's sort of verbal abuse at a referee. Can't do that. Sit yeah, but down. I think I think name calling is a, a level below, like, suggesting the referee is corrupt. Oh, I think it's, I think it's the aggression of, yeah. of, of Walsh. No, I just think that in general, like, yeah. And I think that if you ask any referee, like Dean, for example, would probably much rather just be called the F word or the C word than be called a cheat. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, but then in the in the if the, in the day in the hours and the days since, everyone has lost their damn minds about Reese Walsh. Like the Broncos, the Broncos fans are up in arms. Like I've I saw I saw there were things out there like you know, oh you know, can you believe that? Josh, that that Josh Curran at the Warriors got convicted in an actual court today, but no one cares about that. Everyone cares about Reese Walsh, and it's like, yeah, man. Like, yeah. Uh, just on that point, did you see that like Warriors account? I think it was some journalist in New Zealand who was like, "That's why we got rid of Reese Walsh. We have the firm no dickheads oh. policy." It was like, mate, one of your players just got a good behaviour bond for bashing a teenager like three hours ago. What are you talking about? But, that, but that, that's the thing, man. Like, so the Broncos faithful were going crazy defending Walsh, right? But then there was this whole other contingent of people who were anti-Walsh who were just firing up over nothing. Like that bloke saying, oh, yeah, no dickhead policy. We don't want Walsh here. Yeah. It's like, mate, come uh, You've on, got man. multiple like, guys who've been done for domestic abuse on your roster. Yeah, No, but if you wouldn't take Reese Walsh tomorrow, you're just, you're just kidding yourself. It's also like, like kidding yeah, yourself. Or like the article about how he turned up looking like Justin Bieber. Because he had a fucking little earring in. Like, are you serious, man? Come but but again, like literally one of your players that day got charged with oh. an actual crime and you were like, yep, no dickheads here. <laughs> yeah, man. It was just crazy. Or like them saying, oh, you know, Reese Walsh is spiraling out of control. Oh, this is, this is because he's been yelling at referees all season. It's like, guys, we've got to relax. I've got to tell you, Reese Walsh has been through the, the rugby league cycle mm. quicker than maybe anyone I've ever seen. Like start of the season is like breath of fresh air. Everyone loves him. Savior of Queensland, all that sort of deal. And then like it's turned so, so quickly. And so many people have just turned on him so, so quickly. It's crazy. Like it was always going to happen because he's a young, good looking fella on a young, good looking team. But it's just happened in record time, bro. We, we still love you, Reese. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like obviously, you know, you can't be yelling these things at referees or anything like no, that. No, it deserved like, punishment. But Yeah, for sure. But like I want. If I was a Broncos fan, I'd be upset that he was suspended. But he'd be like, yeah, man, I want guys that have that fire. I want, I want guys... the fire. I don't want guys calling refs. No, 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 no. Like stuff, it went, but... it went too, it went too far. I don't think anyone's not saying that. Oh, actually, I remember you, you've just you've just jarred something in my memory as well. The other funniest take was, well, even if he was yelling at his teammate, 
that's still bad. It's like, have you played sports before? <laughs> like, what do oh. you mean? Everyone yells at their teammates. Everyone. That just means you care. Yeah. yeah. And like, if and no one has a problem with it after the no, game. Like, it's of course just not. How, it's just how you talk when you're on the field. Yeah. When you're on a team, like it's fine. But yeah, I like like Welsh went too far or anything. But I want guys that want it that bad. I want guys mm, that are I that agree. hungry. That's why I, that's part of the reason I like Welsh. That's part of the reason I like Jerome Luai as well, because mm. I, he wants it so bad and he's willing to fight for it so hard. And like when you're on the edge like that, yeah, sometimes you're going to tip over it. But I'd rather I'd rather have too much of it and try and bring it back down than not have enough and try and bring it up. You know. Yeah, so like, and and this is this is fine for Welsh. He's twenty years old. He'll grow up. He'll learn from this. Like, it's all everything's going to be okay, guys. Can we all just can we stand down just for a second? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, the Bulldogs back at uh, Stadium Australia hosting the Newcastle Knights. Um, some big returns. Obviously, they had the bye last week, and they had the no Origin guys the week before that. So, yep, Matt Burton, Josh Adokar back in the mix for them. And look. The Knights, if they want to try and salvage anything from this season, this is a must, 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 super must win game. If they lose this game, would is Adam O'Brien gone? I think he actually is. Yeah. 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 Coaching for his life. I believe that to be true. Mm. Well, this, like on paper, again, the Knights should handle this one. Their squad's much better. Their forward pack in particular is much stronger. Um, Kalen Ponger's. Still out there, he can still run down that left side and 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 dominate and attack that way that we know he can. They still have the firepower with Best and Marju and Young. They have all the pieces that they need to beat this Canterbury team, but having all the pieces has not really been enough for the Knights at, at a lot of points this year. You know, so I my head says the Knights, but like when I think about what I've seen from them over the last couple of weeks, probably since that that loss to Brisbane where they played quite well, that the two weeks since then, they haven't really built on that. If anything, they've sort of just run around in circles a little bit. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in on him. He's after it. He might've got it down. He thinks he did. Cold train cup. Well, I think those pieces are going to form a perfect jigsaw puzzle completion this week. It's all going to come together. Their four-pack's going to be too good for the Bulldogs. Caelan Pong is going to run right. They're finally going to give those Novocastrian diehards something to be happy about. Um, I will take the Knights in the Coltrane Cup, and I think that they win this one well. The one thing, the, the, the thing that I would be very, I would very much be wanting to see if I was a Knights fan is them going at Jade Nockenball on that right edge early and often and as much as possible because while he's carried the ball okay this year in his move to the forwards, I think decision-making is probably not a strong point for him and I don't think lateral movement is either. So if I was Kale and Ponga, Jackson Hastings and Tyson Gamble, I'd be looking to get at uh, Jade Nockenball at every chance I could. The thing I am interested to see from Canterbury in this one is Caleb Rajab starting at 5'8". Mm, yeah. Carl Olipau has been sent back to Reggie's for a bit of a spell, Rajab is a goer. He is a real goer. I saw him play a fair bit for Lebanon in the World Cup last year. I don't know if 5'8 is going to end up being his spot long term, but um, he's certainly a scrapper. He's certainly a try. He's very much in that in that Josh Reynolds mold. And we've got the big Wahash in Jacob Kiraz. I think there's a chance that Khaled Rajab could be the little Wahash. I like that. So I'm interested to see if he just sort of gives him a little bit more fire and a little bit more intensity and sort of helps to helps to sort of give him a bit of a, give him a bit of a shock to the system, which I think is what they need. Yeah. The little wash. I like that. That's really good. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, um, and then and then we just we just need to find a medium wahash, and we've an average sized wahash. <laughs> uh, who are you tipping? Oh man, I think you know what? I'm so low on the Knights over the last couple of weeks. I'm tipping Canterbury, even yeah. though the Knights have got the significant. I can't wait. Side, and you the... think you would think so much to play for as well. Can't wait till Adam O'Brien wins this game, walks into the press conference, stares down the barrel of the camera, and says, "Nick Campton, you're an idiot." <laughs> Can't rule it out. If a co- if a coach was going to do that, it is probably him. I don't fair. know. Like he, <laughs> I've gotten all right with him in the past. No, all right, I have a word to say. No, Campo's been fomenting insurrection about. Surely, me. surely, if a coach did that, surely it would be Ricky. He loves you. Surely, I don't think you, you love Campo. Yeah, I know. You just explain surely, to like... him. You're like, I like footy. I like the Raiders. He'll be like, Nick, you're a good kid. Kate <laughs> <laughs> punch and slugger. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I can't believe this, but yeah, we're we're um, uh, a Tabojevic less uh, Manly Seagulls are favourites against a Roosters team that are lurching uh, from uh, low point to low point this season. They do get they're some. Not, big... they're, not, they're not entirely Tabojevic less. No, that's true. Jake back this week and Ben. Uh, on the on the interchange bench, so yeah, they got two out of three. Ain't bad, they say. I would disagree. Um, but <laughs> some big ins for the Roosters as well. Most notably, Joseph Sawali comes back in, and they've got Nat Butcher on an extended bench. I don't know if he's going to play, but knowing as quite no Egan Butcher, and I believe Satili Tupanua is out for the season also. So they've lost a couple of guys. Get a couple of guys back. Uh, some Roosters fans I've spoken to this week have said. Given the circumstances, apart from Sam Walker, this is about as good as team as they could hope to have at the moment. And I'm inclined to agree, just looking at it right now. I think that despite everything that's happened this year, a back five of Tedesco, Tupo, Billy Smith, Joey Manu, Suwali is still very, very potent. And yeah, they're, they're missing a little bit of punch in the forward pack, but there's still Jared Rhea Hargaves, there's still Lindsay Collins, there's still Victor Radley. And yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm legitimately a bit surprised that they're outsiders in this one. So am I. Nathan Brown starting at lock for the Roosters. Mm. I actually think he's been pretty good since he came back into first grade for them. He's he's sort of given them a little bit of that passing presence in the middle that Radley sort of struggled to do this year. So maybe him starting at lock is is sort of that avenue that they've been looking for to sort of be playing a little bit straighter and, and, and to move the ball a little bit more easily because he is someone who's come on a pretty long way as a passer in the last couple of years. So I, I don't mind seeing him start at lock. I am surprised. Surely Manly are only favorites because they're at home, right? That's got to be, be, right? Yeah. That's got, yeah. Like, Jabro- like Jake Trebojevic back and Manly at home. That's got to be the reason that they're, mm. that they're on top of it. But um, yeah. yeah, like the, the Roosters are, are, are just so low on, on, on confidence at the minute, you know? And, and I think that they're playing like a team that just doesn't have a whole lot of belief in what they're, in, the, in what they're going to do in, in that, what they're going to do is going to work, you know? So, what we've been saying for weeks that, you know, we are oh, waiting for DeBus to out, waiting for him to put it together. It's like, and I think I've said, I don't think it's going to happen for him. I honestly feel you like know? I've and tipped the Roosters every week this year on the show. Yeah. <laughs> it does yeah. feel that way. Crook, tipping him again this Me week. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Because I just like their side more than Manly and, and, and Manly just really struggled to, to generate points without, without Tom Trebojevic out there. But yeah, man, I think the Roosters are sort of getting to a point where, you know, top eight is now as, as just about if they as good lose, as they can If they play. lose this, it's line through them, I think. If they lose yeah. this one. It'd but be, I think they'll be win. close to it, yeah. Yeah. What do you want to say from Manly? Mate, just like effort and just be, score some points without Tom. That's their big thing. They, 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 they've shown that they can, they, that they can hang in there against teams even without him, but 
yeah, as you just said, their issue is scoring points. And I don't know where they're going to come from this one. Maybe off the back of that new contract, which we'll talk about in the, in news time, Josh Uster turns up and, and has a blinder. But yeah, that, that, I, I, I need to see something from them in attack. Just something a little bit, just a little bit more variation, a little bit more. I'd like to see sort of Alakwatu get going a bit more as well. I think he's been a bit quiet in the last few weeks compared to yeah, that really, really hot start that he had. Um, and yeah, when they were winning those games early in the year, it was on the back of their forwards just being so aggressive and so dominant. And, you know, if Paseca and Sipley and Jake Turbo can, can hold that middle together and Homoli has one of those big games that he was having at the start of the year, then they'll probably will get enough good ball to do some things with it in the back line. So that's their path to success. I don't think the Roosters are going to win this easily, but I do think they're going to win. Well said. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi-Rundrundra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Rundrundra. Okay, bit of news before we got out of here. Nicholas, uh, I did a team of the season so far for ESPN this week. Uh, player of the year, most and least disappointing teams, most improved player, rookie of the year. I'll run you through it real quick. You can uh, you can push back on the ones you don't like, or you can just say, yep, I agree. And we'll, uh, we'll go from there. How's that sound? Sounds good. Good, but I was hoping for more of a free-flowing discussion of well, that's fine other too. players that have been good in those positions. Oh, yeah. Well, we can do that also. So I gave Reese Walsh the nod at fullback, but I did mention about five other guys in, in, in the first paragraph, specifically Scott Drinkwater, Dylan Edwards, Hammer, and Clint Gutherson all having great seasons. But I think Reese Walsh does deserve the nod over those guys. Yeah, Walsh is the standout choice, and those other guys that you mentioned are probably up there as well. I would probably have Chance Nickel Cook. Yeah, that's a bad well. miss, actually. He I think he's, he's, had a, he's had a really great season. I he should have got a mention. It's yeah. been very integral to the Warriors turnaround. But yeah, Reese Walsh, the, the clear standout choice. This article is very Warriors heavy, actually. So I don't feel too bad about missing him. Um, on the wings, like I originally <laughs> I originally had Phil Sami in the centers. I know he's played both this year. Uh, I end up going with Dom Young and Phil Sami as my wingers. Brian Toto, stiff to miss out. And then I didn't really think that anyone else was really, honestly, even in the conversation. Yeah, not been a banner year for, for, for wingers. I'm glad mm. you gave Dom Young the nod, I think, in a team that's sort of Endured some pretty tough times this year. He's been consistent. It's weird, right? Either of their wingers could be like in the conversation for this yeah. award, and the rest of their well, team is I, just so. The bad. impressive thing about Young is we're not like Young got dropped mm, earlier yeah. this year. He's playing playing Reggie's, but he's come back really strong. I wonder with Toto if he's almost got to the. Yeah, I did think about this. Well, he's still in the top five for average meters gained in the entire competition. You know, so like he's still churning through the work as he invariably does. Maybe yeah. we just got a bit too used to it. Yeah, I agree, but like, um, he like, I just think that Phil Sami's just entertained us every week. It feels like we talk about Phil Sami every week on this show at the moment. So, and why I think we? he's done enough cool shit to justify being in a team. And whatever, it's, it doesn't really matter, does it? Um, <laughs> this, the centers was the uh, the 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 podcast uh, podcast section really because I went with one Raider and one Rabbitoh, Matt Timoko and Campbell Graham. I don't think you can really argue with Graham. I had a Cowboys fan reach out, say, what about Val Holmes or Timoko? Horrible was in the conversation at the start of you. I think he's dropped off a little bit. Katoni Staggs, maybe as well. Anyone else that comes to mind? Oh, I think Stephen Crichton should probably in, be in there with a shout. I actually thought Val was having a, a quite poor season. I agree, until the last few weeks. Yeah. Until the last few weeks. So yeah. Like a lot of the Cowboys, I think he sort of bounced back after that um, big loss to the Tigers. I'd probably have Herbie Farnworth. In, yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was, as a, he was in my top two until probably yeah. five or you six know, weeks ago. I think he's, you know, Herbie, you know, Herbie Farnworth is like fourth in the league for 
for total meters gained. I thought you were going to do a bit just then and go, do you know Herbie Farmworth played soccer? But well, <laughs> because of the way your tone, you know the way your tone was, you know yeah, that? that's crazy. Yeah, it's not say like I wouldn't have him in my team of the year, but yeah, it was a stat that jumped out at me. Yep, uh, five eighth, Cody Walker. What do you want? Yeah, yeah, pretty straightforward. Um, I Cody Walker had been my team of the year too, but Ezra Mam and Tom Dearden probably yeah, both my, uh, both my runner both ups after, my runner ups after him. Halfback, I think again this one's not by default because he's been fantastic, but I think with Nathan Cleary being injured, Ben Hunt basically quiet quitting, Nico Hines missing a bunch of games at study and really, uh, um, Daly Chairman's being decent but not amazing. I think. Adam Reynolds was like the only other guy that could have got this, but I went with Sean Johnson. Yeah, I think SJ's the the standout choice. The the uh, the only other player who I would probably accept is Mitch Moses. Oh yeah, yeah. In yeah, a, in, yeah. in through the many uh, you know outrageous fortunes of Parramatta's season, I think he's been really really consistent, no matter how the form of the team around him has been going. But uh, bro, I'm never going to argue against SJ. Come on. No uh, props. Uh, I went Payne Haas and Adam Fanua Blake um, again. Like Joe Tarpane has been really good, but I think that those two guys, like, well, Haas is an alien. He's on a level above every other prop. I think, I think that he's, I think that no one would be arguing him. And I think Fanua Blake's just been so transformative for the Warriors. He's really stepped up this year and just led from the front and just been probably their best player in a team that's just shocked a lot of people. So yeah, they're my two. Yeah. Uh, Tar- Tarpane in the mix too. I think uh, Tino Fasil Malawi and Mo mm. Fodawaka, uh, both probably in there as well, but Haas and Fanua Blake, like, to me, that's two of the best five players in the competition this year. So you got to have them. Yep. Uh, Hooker, I gave Jacob Little a little shout out for playing well, but Harry Grant, I think, laps the field here. Yeah, he does. He does. But uh, struggling along in second position for me is Wade Egan. Yep. Been good. He's still, he's still, he's still been lapped, but silver medal's a silver medal. Back row is probably the one where you're going to, like, again, like Olakwatu, I put in the team, but he has fallen off a little bit in the last few weeks. Eli Katoa is another guy that I almost thought about putting in, but I went with David Fafita, who I think has been really, really great for the Titans this year and has honestly, if anything, not got the plaudits he deserves. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good choice. I, I couldn't have Hamale in there, given how he's dropped off since Origin. Um, but then I really did struggle to fill <laughs> yeah, that, that's second, the problem. that second yeah. spot. So I, there, there were two names that I ended up coming up with. One's Hudson Young, who I think has been pretty strong for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, I know he's only a rookie, but I think Jacob Preston, like I was just looking at the names of the back rowers and, and, and Preston was the one that jumped out mm-hmm. at me as, as, as having had the best year. So I'm yeah. both to put a rookie in a team of the year, but if I was, if I was doing up my own team of the year for, he might get the buddy in the year if Ola Kawatu keeps well, falling well, if off. I was doing up yeah. my own team of the year for abc.net.au slash sports slash rugby league slash author slash Nick dash Campton, mm. Jacob Preston might be in it. Preston Mania might have just taken that much of a hold on me. Preston Mania does get a mention later, thankfully. So I'm not completely <laughs> nice. not completely in trouble. Locke, again, Pat Carrigan. Uh, Cam Murray's been good, not great. Isaiah's been good, not great. Carrigan's been amazing along with Haas. Yeah, Car- Carrigan, Carrigan, the clear leader here. But I wouldn't have Murray or Yo on the podium. On the podium, I would have Tohu Harris yep. and Corey Horsburgh. I think yep. both those guys have had better. Well, I just meant more because I, so I wasn't just saying they were the second and third best guys. I was more saying that they are the two standout premier number 13s in the game, but Carrigan has firmly thrust himself into that conversation, if not at the front of it. So well, he does love thrusting. Yeah. And reading. Uh, most surprising team in a good way. I went with the Warriors. I mean, yeah. Do, do, yeah. Case for anyone else? I, there's not even a runner up. Nope. Uh, most disappointing team. Again, uh, this could have been the Cowboys, the Eels, if I did this a month ago, but they're good now. So it's the Roosters. Again, no runners you up. Picked, you picked them to win the comps so, <laughs> and, they, and they suck. <laughs> so this is the one which is probably going to, 
I don't know if it's gonna. I'll actually we'll do most improved player first because I think the 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 last one will spark the most. The last two is by the way. I went with Marcelo Montoya. Well, yeah, we've we've sung his praises many many times, so we don't have to do it again. Um, he would be my most improved player as well. But then the other two that I would have in this category are Wade Egan, who we talked about before, yep. who has always been a solid guy, but then has just been fabulous this year. And then Jordan Ricky would be my third. He has been really good. Yeah. He's been really good this year. Been really good with a lot of effort areas like kick chase and kick pressures. And I think it's a mark of how far that he's come that a lot of the Brisbane fans who wanted him executed in the public square yeah. last year are now saying he's out for eight weeks. The how are we going to cope? Yeah. Like, okay. So you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a real mark of how far he's come. All right. So rookie of the year. So I did, I gave Preston a mention. I had him, I had him and, Alafana Khan Pereira as my runners up. And I think that on play alone, I might have given it to one of those two. But I just think that the situation, being a halfback and coming into the league and having tags like, oh, this is the best teenage rugby league, or this is the best halfback prospect we've seen in 10 years, whatever, and coming into first grade in a in a in a completely new team, in a new environment, uh, away from home, and being Good, being a really solid, serviceable halfback already in the NRL. Oh, with Isaiah Katoa. How does it feel to betray your own beliefs? I feel fine. Why? I didn't. I didn't know you back in 2014. That was before we met. Yeah. But I'll guarantee that you were super. <laughs> oh no! At the time. Oh no! That Alex Johnson didn't get Rookie of the Year and Luke Brooks did. I'll uh, guarantee I'm, that that I'm, happened. Yeah, it might have, but um. <laughs> <laughs> shit that's the same thing <laughs> um i i think i think that so did how happen, does it yeah. feel how does it feel to become everything you once hated i think that maybe i've just matured it's called growing up nick <laughs> ever heard of it um but yeah i just think that like campo has been really really good but yeah katoa has lived up to this almost impossible expectations that that, that i'm getting thrown into the deep end in first grade straight away as an 18 year old i think is just extremely impressive i i thought Luke Brooks deserved it back then. I you think Isaiah Katoa deserves it now. Um, I don't like, you can't really count like Will Warbrick as a rookie. No, like, uh, I, I guess you could, it's, but it's he's weird. not, I don't think he's been better than those three guys. Yeah. I, I don't either, but like, he's probably the only other dude that I'd even consider going towards. Brick, Brick with tries was, is a great nickname though. Well, that, that could win it that. for him alone. That, and that alone. Um, and yeah, player of the year. Last one again, thought about Haas. And settle on Walsh. Yeah, well, to me, they're the two. They're the two. It's one of those two. I went with Haas just because Haas was already great before this year. He was already the best prop in the game. And he's found a way to get better, which is is so hard to do once you're at the top. Like, it's one thing to climb to the top. It's another thing to keep climbing past the top. And that's what he's done with, with um, sort of attacking, injecting new attacking elements to his play, running the ball a little bit wider, not just being a, a battering ram up the middle, although he's incredible at that. He might be the greatest battering ram that's ever been seen in rugby league, but he's added an extra attacking dimension. And when players are able to do that, when they're already at the top, that's just, that's the mark to me of a truly great footballer. And that's what Haas has become this year. In uh, in my opinion, you don't have a, a comeback player of the year. No, I just had most improved. So. Well, I've, I've I've got a comeback. Yeah, give me player a comeback. Give me a comeback player of the year. Yeah, comeback player of the year, Jermaine Asako. Yep. Who okay. I thought I thought was going to be, I thought he was going to be out of the league this time last year. Like just had a really really awful time of it. Um, at the Titans, and had some real clangers both in first grade and in Queensland Cup, and he, it looked like it was 
sort of over for him. And then he's just got a totally new lease on life at the Dolphins. He's been excellent for them all season. You know, even like in games like last week when everything's falling apart around him, he's still been been really, really solid. Yeah. And he's the he's the top he's the top point scorer as well. And I think that's a good answer. For someone to come back from from where he was to where he is now is mm-hmm. um a real, real credit to him. So yeah. Jermaine Osaka comeback player of the You probably year. chuck SJ in that conversation too, but you know Well yeah, like there's there's SJ, there's Jared Croker, there's a couple yeah. of guys, but uh, considering out considering where he's where he's come from and where he's gone to, I think Osako's the standout. Yeah. So that was uh, that was that was that was my column for this week on ESPN. So yeah, uh, I'm glad we agreed on a lot of that. Yeah, it was a frightening what a, amount. What a cordial discussion. Yeah, I don't like that. It's going to yelling. Um, two bits of other news before we get out of here. Jared Croker says he will happily play on a significantly reduced contract if the Raiders want to have him back for one more year. I have two questions for you, Nick. Yep. The first, would he pay the club to play? Second, it. If and when that is not allowed to happen because it's against the rules, how what percentage of his portion of the salary cap would you personally be willing to put the bill for? Okay, um, first of all, he would be. I, I honestly think he would pay the club to play if he was allowed. Yeah, he I would, really do think he would. Secondly, um, I would engage in all manner of criminal schemes. I would rip off whoever I had to rip off. I would commit all sorts of financial crimes. Would you rob a train? Yeah. Well, no, if you rob a train, you might actually go to jail. If I just run some sort of like Ponzi scheme or like a pump and dump or something yeah, like be that, fine. I'll go to jail for like six months or something. And you'll go to so, nice jail too. Yeah, exactly. So if, if so, Canberra, if you're listening and you need me to commit some financial crimes to uh, to get this happen, if you need the, the pit bull of Parramatta Road to come up and, you know, shake a few hands, slap a few backs, throw a few, throw a few paper bags under the table to get to get Jared Croker out there again, you yeah. know, I'll do it, but a really you know nice story. It. I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's playing pretty well. And I hope he goes around again. Cause we love Jared Croker here. Um, and lastly, Josh Schuster wants to be the captain of Manly and has signed a three year, 800 K a year extension. I am a little bit surprised at the amount given that like, you know, it was like only a few, only a couple of months ago where like he was publicly getting called out for his form by like his captain and stuff. And like, he hasn't really in any way lived up to the the player that we first kind of saw two seasons ago. I'm mildly surprised that he's got this deal. And I'm equally surprised given that they've just signed Luke Brooks. So you'd imagine that means Schuster's going to be going back to playing on the on the, on the edge or something. So what do you think of this? I, I think it's I'm surprised at the amount of money they're giving him. I think you always have to take the reported value of con- the reported money value of contracts. With a grain of salt, money talk. You know, like he was money. Yeah, that's money talk, bro. He was sort of talking about in his presser when this was announced. He was kind of saying, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm on less money, and I could have got more money elsewhere, and all that sort of thing." So I don't know. I think you got to take that eight hundred with a bit of a a raised eyebrow. You know, you got to you got to be you got to bring a bit of skepticism to money talk sometimes. But I I, I think I talked about a little this a little bit when we were discussing the Luke Brooks signing. This to me, this tells me that. Schuster's going to play in the back row. Yeah, for abso- absolutely. Next, for the next last for the next couple of years. And I think someone at Manly had a tough conversation with him where they said, look, man, we gave you this 5'8 jersey and you just haven't repaid our faith. So as a result, you've got to go mm. back into the back row and you've got to prove it all over again. You yep. know? I I if I was a Manly fan, what I would be really concerned about would be the club looking at Daly Cherry Evans at 34 years old with two more years on his contract and then thinking, well, he'll be 36 by the time that deal winds up. 
do we want to sign up a 36-year-old again? And then you're stuck in a future where Luke Brooks and Josh Schuster are your halves, which I wouldn't love. You know, and no. what, you know, and even though Cherry's going to be 36 when that deal runs out, he doesn't look like he's slowing down. He's gotten better with age. It's a fine wine. Well, he's- and he he has said to, he said to me in interviews, I said to him once as a joke, when are you going to stop playing? Are you going to play forever or something? And he said, Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play forever. I'm gonna I'm gonna be running around when your grandkids are watching footy, bro. I'd love that. <laughs> a fine manly <laughs> tradition of some old guy running around in the halves. He might. I don't know. Well, Cliffy's so, still playing, by the way. He played for some team in the middle of nowhere the other week at 67. Who? Cliffy. Oh, Cl- Cliffy will be playing until the heat death of the universe. Fantastic. But yeah, you know, like it, it, money aside, I like the idea of Schuster going to back row. Me I've, too. I've said before, I'm a big believer in his talent and we just haven't seen enough of it this year. So maybe second row where he doesn't have to play make as much and he can kind of just wheel and deal. With with a little with a little bit more freedom and a little less responsibility, maybe that can be good for him. Yep. All right, that is it. We are going to get out of here, but before we do, a quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers of our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Auburn Rookies. You get access to our Discord server, a third show every single week, merchandise discounts, and plenty more. So thank you to Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi. And introducing little Stevie Wonder, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Horsburgh Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, Joey Joe, Joe, Joe Jr., John, Josh Brandon, Josh drinks water outside the butchery, kicks outs out of the cop, Stockland Hancock, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smithball, Matty Jenkins, Maroon Gossard, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Matt Bungard, and I love Taylor Swift. I'm trying to get tickets tomorrow. My ding ding dong is hard, and I'm sad. Never trendy. Pat McManus, Pete Fulcher, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark. See you in Vegas. Shanta Tai TB, the black vegetable. Thor, Tom Hardy, was Westlife's podcast. And what's happening with them rabbit sausages, Bertrand? Thank you for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you. As well, some great names. I think getting through that mistake free is like, <laughs> I'm very proud of myself. Oh man, some great names on there. So <laughs> I, I can I can shed a little light on a few of them. Introducing little Stevie Wonder is dear, is dear friend of the show, Frankie. Because when we were at the pub before the footy the other day, and they had nine now on one of the TVs from the cricket the night before. Yeah. And Muscle Beach Party, the the seminal the seminal 1964 film was being played sure. starring introducing little Stevie wonder as himself singing That's a bunch fantastic. of songs in that. Here's the, here's the tagline on the poster for muscle beach party. When 10,000 biceps go around 5,000 bikinis, you know, what's going to happen. Yep. Those numbers play. What, so. what a, what a, what a movie starting, starring Frankie Avalon as Frankie. Great <laughs> stuff. And then the, what about those? How, how about those sausages, Bertrand? Is um that he's trying to he's trying to do the line from Snatch? What's going on with those sausages, Charlie? Oh, that's good. I like that. Two minutes um, Turkish. Two minutes Turkish. What's happening with co- those sausages, Charlie? Five minutes Turkish. A common line from you to me when I say you're ready to record. I get a two minutes Turkish. So that that movie also had Don Rickles playing a character called Jack Fanny. <laughs> it was a simpler time. I'm telling, mate. What a what a what a series of films. What oh, a series fair. of films. There was Beach Party. Um. I think there was there's beach party, muscle beach party. And there's I think seven of them. Pajama party, beach blanket bingo, how to stuff a wild bikini, and the ghost in the invisible bikini. Well, 
Oh, sounds sexy and scary. <laughs> we used to be a real country. <laughs> really did making proper films. Hey, you you got connections to the ABC. Sort it out. We can surely get some tax dollars set aside for Bikini Party Eight, the re-bikiniing. A gr- a gritty a gritty reboot a, of Muscle Beach Party. Yeah, we're gonna watch Muscle Beach Party in the off season or something. Do a, do a rewatch. Oh, it's, tough, it's a tough. Song, I'm, mate. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it hasn't aged. I'm sure it hasn't aged well. Not even little Stevie can save it. Uh, or Don Rickles. He might. He might. <laughs> Jack Fanny. And with that. We are out here. Hopefully, Australia gets some bloody wickets because I've just had quick info open while we've been doing the show. And yeah, none for 88 they are. God, I hate England. I think we're getting baseballed. Yeah. All right. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. That's goodbye from me.